What is up, everybody? It is your host, Josh, here with Would Not Recommend, joined as always with... It's Austin here, everybody. How are you doing this day? And joining us tonight, we've got two very special guests with us. Drumroll, please, for... Dr. Burnett. Hello, Dr. Burnett. Hello. Come thanks in. for having me. Sound good. And then we've also got her joined by her wonderful husband. We've talked about doing a couple of goals podcasts. Trayer Burnett, say hi into the microphone real quick. Hey, guys. How's it going? Coming in loud and clear. We like that. So kind of usual format. We're going to just talk really quickly about uh, Motor Monday. And on the subject of Motor Monday, Austin, you've been traveling quite a bit for work. That's a little bit of a delay in the podcast. Do you care to elaborate on what you've been up to? Yeah, absolutely. I've been working down in the Dallas area for the past week now, uh, trying to get Melissa Texas's water back up and running. They've had this project going on for the better part of two years now, and they're finally getting things going. So best we can with what we got we're experiencing some thunderstorms down in the area right now so we're not working for the time being but uh trying to keep everything as smooth as possible uh it's not the most fun thing in the world but we're getting it done one day at a time well, absolutely and we're definitely glad to have you back on because you know i get lonely sometimes when i don't have my co-host with me i know man so but we're here to be thankful on tuesday because Dr. Burnett over here has recently passed, and now correct me if I'm wrong, is it your licensing exam? So yes, I just okay. received the results for my licensure exam. Okay. So after I graduate my graduate degree um, from PT school, I have to go and get approved to practice physical therapy in whichever state I want to be practicing in. And I take the national physical therapy exam and I just received my passing scores for that. So I am licensed to practice, I have the degree, and now I have to take my ethics exam. That is so crazy. Mm -hmm. So it's just test after test after it test. It is, it is, but this should be the very last one and hopefully the easiest one. So, and as far as direction's concerned, uh, like if I were to go out tomorrow and say, you know what, I wanna be cool like you <laughs> and go through and become a licensed physical therapist, mm -hmm. Like how long is that? How long have you been going through this process? So I started off first with a bachelor's degree and I spent four years getting that for a um, degree in exercise science. And then I went into graduate school, so another three years, but there is a certain amount of pre-qualifiers that you need to have to get into graduate school. Um, observation hours, a degree, um, a, a certain um, level on the GRE, all these qualifiers, and then entry exams. So once you get into a PT program, most are three years long, and then you graduate, and then you have to take your licensure exam. So for me, it was um, it was a seven-year commitment Ooh. for schooling, Lordy. and that's if you get in to PT school on your first try. That is absolutely wild. And it's funny, too, because, you know, like, in real estate, one of the things that we try to do is get accreditation. So we joke about it being alphabet soup, but really, I mean, anyone in the medical field, it's like two letter acronyms, three letter acronyms, four letter acronyms after their words, just mm -hmm. PT, you're talking about GRE and all these other things like that. It's absolutely insane, but those are the things you have to do to be a competent professional absolutely. and to be able to practice mm -hmm. in that field. And that's something I love about my field is it's full of qualified people now. So if you're just coming to a physical therapist, you know, we've got the education um, that we can say, oh, this is something that I'm not qualified to handle. You need to go to your doctor. 
mm -hmm. or this is well within my scope of practice, I can deal with this. Um, and I feel like if I were a patient on the flip side of things, that would be very comforting that my, my physical therapist, my occupational therapist would have the skills to know when to refer me out. So to getting into physical therapy, like what, what was kind of like the, the push for you to do mm -hmm. that? Uh, I didn't ever have like an injury that made me want to get into physical therapy. Like a lot of my classmates, they had an injury in high school and they just fell in love with physical therapy from their own experience as a patient. Um, but I always knew I wanted to be in the healthcare field and I am not good in emergent situations. So I knew um, I knew ER, nursing, um, like EMT and paramedic would not be for me. I like the end of the process, the rehabilitation yeah. phase. Um, and I just love getting to know people and the relational aspect. And so once somebody is out of the hospital, the best fit for me I felt like would be physical therapy where um, you are getting to help somebody rehabilitate or habilitate. You're developing that relationship with them. You're mm -hmm. getting to know them, helping them accomplish things. Um, but one of the big things that drew me to physical therapy is you get to be an instructor. So my number one goal when I work with patients is to teach them how to best care for themselves. So hopefully in the future, they'll never need me again because I'll equip them with the skills that they need to take care of themselves. That's awesome. And I figure too, like, when you're doing something like that, you, you had mentioned like, you know, when people are in the hospital, obviously they're in a vulnerable state, but it's kind of the same thing once they're, you know, post, you know, clinical visit, they have that opportunity to say, hey, listen, like, I'm still raw here. I don't know what the future has in store for me. Can you equip me with the tools, the programs, the steps necessary to make myself have some sense of normalcy again? You know, people can go through horrific things like, you know, accidents or whatnot, and you can at least give them a, a, a step program to make life a lot more better in a new normal mm -hmm. and, you know, work their way through that thing. So that's, that's really awesome. And, you know, speaking of relationships and <laughs> relations, so your amazing husband, Trayer, is Why don't you tell us a little bit of... Trayer, your story, and then how you guys met. And just really quickly before we have Trayer step in to give us a tale of his tiding, I got a quick little disclosure that he'd like to add in there. Yeah, I just gotta clarify, my name is Trevor Nett, and uh, these views do not directly uh, reflect that of my employer. So just gotta throw that out there. And with that out of the way, I'm a firefighter with the Tulsa Fire Department, and uh, I met my wife, Sarah, shortly after I uh, completed the initial stages of training on the fire department. I uh, uh, took that time, the uh, initial six months in the academy, to really focus on uh, trying to do the best I could to give myself a good edge and a good start on my career. And uh, after I was able, things were able to calm down a little bit, I decided to... Uh, that uh, it was time to try to find a future wife and uh, so I did what everybody was doing in 2016 I got on some dating apps and uh, <laughs> and, and uh, so I was a 22 year old kid just uh, 
new on the fire department and uh, started branching out and got on Tinder and uh, was swiping back and forth and uh, saw this girl that uh, I thought really liked to fish. A uh, <laughs> little bit. Like catfish. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a bluegill, but but she uh, she reeled me in with some uh, false prospects of going fishing, which. We, I guess we've done that a little bit here and there, but uh, saw a beautiful young woman on Tinder and. Not Josie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, decided to go ahead and take a chance and uh, went ahead and we met up, had our first date uh, at the end of May in 16 and dated all summer long and really didn't know what we were. And. Uh, Decided to send her off for her last year of undergrad, uh, about what 350 miles away. Uh, didn't know really if I was her boyfriend or not, and then uh, had a shift off from the fire department and took those five days to go see her in Central Arkansas and. Uh, and then up. I asked him if he would be my boyfriend. Oh! <laughs> Granted, I had asked her to be my girlfriend like five times. And, ev and every time, just shot right out of the sky. But I kept coming back. I knew she was worth the pursuit and <laughs> the repeated rejection. But <laughs> Sorry, I hope I made it up. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so you're telling me consistency is key there. You just got to... Uh, keep at it absolutely like, yeah. <laughs> yeah sometimes you just need to prove yourself that you're willing to continue to pursue that's awesome well you had mentioned arkansas too obviously um i mean we know the story pretty well here but there was a lot of you know a, a long distance relationship and that doesn't obviously work for everyone but for where we are for where you guys are now um it's really incredible that you've stayed fast to each other you know, as boyfriend and girlfriend at that point, and then, you know, uh, fiance, and then, you know, as a married couple, that's that's truly incredible, especially in today's day and age, and just having a very uh, authentic love. Um, and it's pretty funny also, kind of how we met too. I mean, I could say it, but why don't you tell the listeners how we happen to meet you guys? Do I kick it off? Okay, well, we flew up to Skinny Atlas, New York for a wedding, and... Uh, you mind if I... Oh, yeah, jump in, jump Sorry. in. Sorry. No. No. <laughs> this is yours. I, I told you to kick it off. Well, uh, I had made uh, a friend in second grade, and uh, we were friends uh, while we attended the same school. I actually ended up leaving after our freshman year, and... Uh, fell out of contact with him uh just you know stuff happens and uh ended up I don't think I saw him again till uh right about the time I met you actually and uh that was actually the first time I met Austin that's right and uh it was just a a brief in passing I was leaving the gym after working out and uh and uh we saw our mutual friend and had no idea what to expect and then uh Sarah and I were actually out of date at uh, the Fieldbrook Museum in Tulsa and saw him again with who would later become his wife. And instead of uh, going out to lunch, despite having a free afternoon, we just left it as a passing hello and uh, didn't see them again for quite some time. Um, after our wedding, we really kind of reconnected with both of them as a couple. And uh, uh, they ended up inviting us to their wedding in upstate New York. 
we flew to Syracuse, New York, and met these really great brothers who picked us up from the airport. And um, was it was it long until we all connected on our oaky roots and mutual interests? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'll, I'll I'll jump in because I I do have to ask in the nature of the podcast, jumping into a Ford Ranger pickup truck, a Ford Stranger pickup truck, <laughs> a pair of strangers. Would you recommend that? From a legal standpoint, I feel like we have to say don't do don't it. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. Yeah, context matters here. <laughs> but, so, yeah, no, uh, picked these guys up from the airport and went to uh, kind of a bodega to go get some hot wings at, and uh, 10W40 motor oil, apparently. Syracuse is a very unusual place if you've ever been there. Man, those were some good wings. They really they were. really were. Solid, solid, uh, what do we say, slapping wings. <laughs> Slap. And, uh, That's right. Pizza, man. I mean, I'm telling you. And then, um, yeah, no, that just was definitely weak to be remembered. And it, it's just crazy how people get brought into your life that way, too. I mean, it, a growing relationship from here and then. Just, you know, genuine, authentic people. And if there's one piece of advice that you guys could share on the podcast that you would recommend sharing about having genuine love or a relationship that lasts just off the top of your head, what would it be? I would say, um, I feel like there are always opportunities and moments in a relationship where you could either believe the best in your partner or you could expect the worst. And I think that one of the best things for me, um, and especially when Trey and I are spending a lot of time apart, is always believing in the best in him. You know, if um, if he'd come home from from driving and he wouldn't help me with the dishes, it wouldn't be, oh my gosh, he's so lazy, he doesn't care about helping me. It would be, wow, he just drove from Claremore, Oklahoma to Bolivar, Missouri after working a full 24 hours at the fire department to see me and just always yeah. believing the best. Um, both when he was there and when he was away. And that just puts your partner in the best light possible and always makes you think about them in the best way and in a loving way. Yeah, absolutely. And on top of that, uh, kind of going off of what Sarah was saying, be willing to go the extra mile or, in my case, 188. <laughs> <laughs> One trip. Uh, but be willing to go the extra mile and show... Uh, your partner how much they really mean to you and uh that love will be reciprocated in a very grand way uh more often than not and uh i think just whenever you portray um, that kind of behavior i uh, think it really inspires and i know sarah's certainly inspired me and i hope i have with her uh to really be willing to go the extra mile and uh put forth in as much effort as you can and uh to be able to work as a team and uh, yeah. to reach a common goal. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, also, that's probably another little piece of advice is... We have an extra <laughs> nugget here. You're getting it free. <laughs> so what Trayer said about being a team is um, early in our marriage, we decided that it was okay to disagree, but if we disagreed, we needed to take a team approach mm -hmm. and figure out why our opinions differed, why our beliefs about something differed, and then work together as a team for a common goal. 
even if we both kept our differing opinions, that we were still working towards a common goal to resolve the tension or the frustrations that we had with one another. And that has been amazing. It's got us through some really uncomfortable situations. And, oh, absolutely. And I, that's just been just a saving grace is having that, that mindset. I agree. Agree to disagree, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well... And I got to grill Dr. Burnett here for a little bit. I'm going to have Austin take over on the microphone and headset and talk to Treyer a little bit. Mr. Burnett. Yes, I think sir. that covers Tinder Tuesday. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. It, it, it's funny because, like, listening to you guys talk, I think that so often you get out of things what you put into them. And I think most people put in the bare minimum on relationships. Because they see, I, I think especially like these dating apps, it's instant gratification at its finest. You can swipe through. Very visual thing. You go, oh, I like that. I don't like that. You get to be kind of judgmental. And as you, you progressively go through it, if you have the mindset of, I'm actually going out there looking for a person I could spend my life with, you end up finding it. Oh, for sure. And it was kind of strange. We kind of... Um, Passively establish those ground rules on our first date, really. Uh, yeah. Uh, we kind of talked about the upbringing that we were both able to have uh, and kind of brought up that both of our parents, they've each been together for over 30 years. And at that point, yeah. my parents were just about to celebrate their 30th. And I think her parents had been together for about 35 years at that point. And uh, so we both knew that we had the example set forth uh, before us that uh, you need to stick it out. Uh, I can't speak for Sarah's parents, but there were times that I was like, growing up that I saw my parents, I was like, these two people don't love each other even a little bit, <laughs> and they, uh, but they stuck it out, whether it was for mine and my brother's sake, or yeah. just because they knew that they had something worth fighting for, uh, they stuck it out, now they're closer than they've ever been, Absolutely. and uh, so I knew that I wanted somebody that had that mindset that they were in it for the long haul, and uh, for sure. And they weren't willing to compromise or give up. And I felt like, even after that first date, I kind of felt like that she was definitely that kind of woman. And uh, she just continued to prove that she was the type of woman that you should not let slip away. So <laughs> so I chased her to Central Arkansas. Hey, there you go. And then again to Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. It really is. Me and Josh both, I mean, our parents have been together for 30 plus years. And they've been married for... 28, 29 now? Who's counting? Yeah, no kidding. Man, they're getting old. Uh, <laughs> but it's so beautiful oh, as ever. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's high praise. Halls will appreciate that. <laughs> um, it, it is. It's one of those things where, I mean, everybody says it, um, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or anything. There was the generation before us that when something was broke, you fix it. You don't go out and buy it and replace it. And I think that that really matters because no matter what it is that you're dealing with, nothing is greater than the relationship that you have on hand. Where I think so many people go, the grass is greener over there. Oh, this could be better. Oh, that person is more visually appealing to me or this person connects with me better emotionally. You're just taking that energy that you should be putting into your partner and your current relationship and you're trying to put it out elsewhere. And it, it just never ends up working out for anybody. 
and this is not me advocating that if you're in a bad situation, you should stick it out just to stick it out. Right. But if you've got something that's worth fighting for, you've got to be willing to fight for it. Oh, I absolutely agree. You know, nobody should put themselves in a situation that compromises their physical or mental health. But, um, you know, it also, especially whenever you get to the point where you've committed to a marriage. Um, absolutely. You know, uh, back, like you said, previous generations, your word meant something, you know. For sure. And uh, definitely, whenever you swore an oath, yeah. you were supposed to stick to it. And uh, unfortunately, you know, our society today, you know, words are fleeting and they don't mean anything. For sure. But uh, I know that uh, she and I were both raised with the mindset that whenever you swear something like that, yeah, it it means something and you're making that, you know, you're swearing that before, you know, your family and... Uh, it's it's a big deal absolutely it's funny because i feel like um there's certain words that i mean just hearing them has a weight to it it's the covenant of marriage mm -hmm. and i i mean that's a that's a big word that has a big meaning right you've got to know that going in that it's if this is the person you want to spend your the rest of your life with you've got to be willing to spend the rest of your life with them not just when the times are good i mean and sickness is in health, good times and bad. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And and we've been fortunate that uh, the hard times have been few and far between. We've we've had some stressful things, and uh, while they were very very uncomfortable at the time, I think we're both really grateful uh, for those experiences because absolutely. we had to rally together and uh, become a team uh, to an even greater extent. Really depend on each other and. Uh, and uh, those moments, uh, even though they're not fun at all, they, they sure develop you uh, as a couple. And uh, we're, we're grateful for the growth, mm -hmm. for sure. Definitely. That's awesome. It's always good to hear some stuff like that. Man, let's see. I'm going to have to skip a couple days. Let's go to Fireman Friday. Uh-oh. <laughs> let's talk about some firefighter stories, man. Oh, shoot. I've heard a bunch. What's something new? It's been a minute since we've talked about it. There's got to be some good stuff. So Sarah brought up, uh, right now there's a promotional process going on Absolutely. and, uh, I'm certainly behind the curve as far as studying for, uh, the exam that I'll be taking the lieutenant's exam. Uh, but the lieutenant where I'm currently stationed, uh, in, uh, I don't know if you'd call it just being an optimist or trying to prepare me in one of the other. Uh, privates that's also taken the lieutenant's exam, he has uh, allowed us to uh, ride out as captain. So on the fire department, you're trained for the role ahead of you. Absolutely. Uh, so right now as a private, I'm trained to be a relief uh, fire equipment operator or lieutenant so I can drive the truck uh, whenever the lieutenant is either absent or if he has to step up and ride out as captain where he was making uh, the decisions for the truck. Uh, and that's something that you can do whenever you officially make lieutenant. And then obviously when you get promoted to captain, your base job is serving as captain, but you'll also be able to serve out as a district chief. Uh, so all that's to say that in preparation for, uh, hopefully when the other private and I make it, whether that's on this exam or the next one, uh, he decided to let us take turns riding out as captain under his direct supervision. That's awesome. And, uh, last, uh, what was that last week? Um, he let me ride as captain for my first time ever. And, uh, 
and it was uh it's pretty interesting it's definitely a weird feeling being in that seat and trying yeah. to navigate uh navigation is definitely uh an area that i need to work on and uh that became painfully obvious at uh <laughs> about 2 30 in the morning when we got called for a house fire and uh I, and it was not in our first in area and uh i was on the struggle bus because uh you're getting up at 2 30 out of a dead really good sound sleep and uh getting on a truck trying to go to you know one of the more hazardous of our calls yeah uh wondering how that's gonna go and uh it was in a different station to our west it was in their first in area and uh so the second uh second arriving engine company our second company arriving on scene establishes command to kind of direct uh, the companies that are coming in behind because usually the first arriving company is either investigating what's going on or if it's confirmed fire, they're going in for fire attack uh, given that they have sufficient uh, resources, which the engine that was first on scene had four on their truck that day, so they were good to go. And uh, so we came in second in shortly after they arrived on scene. They went in for investigation. There was no... Uh, uh, immediate threat with the fire and uh, so I had to establish command and uh, that was definitely uh, different getting on the radio and uh, directing the companies uh, that were coming in behind fortunately there was uh, no major fire or anything like that and it was uh, uh, kind of a easy good or I guess I won't say easy it was a good learning experience um, to kind of direct companies whenever there's not a super stressful situation at hand so it's a good learning learning experience for sure so. yeah, it gets you forged in the fire yeah <laughs> quite literally or, yeah. uh, but outside of that uh, i've recently moved stations i was on the south side of downtown uh, but at the beginning of july i moved to the north side of downtown so uh it's similar but very different all at the same time yeah so. no that's awesome well, okay, so talking to an expert here, what are the main causes of fires here locally? What what seems to be the one where it's like, I've, I've always heard like the lint and the dryer thing, right. like electrical fire. I would say electrical, okay. uh, more often than not. Um, and, and it definitely depends on uh, where you are in town. Uh, more often than not, I would say it's electrical, usually in the attic. We get a yeah. lot of fires that start in the attic. Um, but downtown, uh, we have a large homeless population, and especially in the wintertime, they're getting in a lot of these vacant homes trying to stay warm, which obviously there's no struggle staying warm this time of year, but yeah. uh, uh, they'll get in a lot of these vacant homes and just out of desperation try to start a fire in the living room, whether there's a fireplace or not, um, and uh, it gets out of hand real quick, and, uh, yeah. and then we get the call. So uh, that's kind of actually one of the main sources in the downtown area is just accidental yeah uh, non-intentional starting of structure fire just trying to survive the elements yeah you get a lot of 55 gallon drum fires oh yeah i've even seen uh just traffic cones them trying to yeah that didn't oh. turn out too well those uh toxic fumes <laughs> they got tired of that real quick gets you a little and, dizzy yeah a little dizzy especially whenever you're confined under a bridge that yeah. uh, that didn't work out too well for them. They were pretty glad to see us come put that one out. So that's good. That is, it's a tough situation. I mean, you you feel for it and you empathize with what they're going through. But 
there's something about it where it's like you got to use a little bit of common sense. You can't be inhaling fumes. Oh yeah, uh, a lot of people, you know, they don't realize just yeah. the, how toxic a lot of those products of combustion are, and uh, and uh, just that's kind of a afterthought whenever you're just trying to survive the the cold. You know, especially this past winter we had in February, some of the coldest uh, yeah. consistent temperatures I remember seeing. Uh, yeah, living in Oklahoma for regrettably almost 30 years now i say regrettably i regret that i'm getting old uh i love being an oaky but uh yeah it's been pretty crazy to see kind of the fluctuations yeah. in temperature this yeah. this last february was pretty brutal yeah and it's funny you say that because it, it is you see so many people where it's space heaters and stuff oh like yeah that. absolutely and I'm, I'm sure that causes fire people just have them set up somewhere in their house next to a curtain or right just something real light even i mean falls over on carpet you know yeah. there's no telling and then uh a lot of times you know they're running uh extension cords multiple extension cords you know yeah. uh that may or may not be stripped or you know have issues yeah. there and so yeah winter time is definitely when uh you know we see an influx of uh, structure fires and stuff like that, but we still get them in the summertime too. It's just uh, a little bit more hit and miss, and the the cause of ignition is definitely a little more diverse in the summertime. Yeah, uh, that is when we'll get people uh, starting intentional fires. Just people start acting crazy, you know, in the summer. And, yeah, uh, just get a little bit of a wider variety there. Yeah. Okay, and so for like my own personal reasons, you roll up on a fire. Uh -huh. Let's just say a house fire. What are the actual steps that you guys say? Let's say it's kind of raging. Uh -huh. What is the actual game plan going in like so, for the most part? I mean, it just depends on how much of the structure is involved. Let's um, just say 75%. 75%. Um, you know, and then, you know, we've got to take into consideration, uh, you know, our victim yeah. profile, you know. Uh, is it 2 in the morning when everybody's usually in bed or is it, you know mid-afternoon where people are at work you know that's something we need to take in consideration plus you know who called it in did they confirm that somebody's in there um and our protocol it states you know we'll we'll risk a lot to save a lot yeah and so we consider you know uh the potential for rescuing somebody and saving their lives we're willing to risk a lot for that Absolutely. but uh you know if we have reason to believe, you know, it's a vacant home, nobody's there. Obviously, we want to mitigate the situation as quickly as possible, but we're not going to compromise our personnel's, uh, we're not going to take on reasonable risks, you know, if yes. there isn't somebody that, uh, you know, we think we can save. But, you know, we're still going to risk, uh, take risks, you know, to get it done as quick as possible. But, you know, if uh, we're not thinking that there's somebody we can save, we're going to try to compose ourselves a little bit more and take a safe approach to it. Absolutely. Um, but let's say ideal situation, or I say ideal, uh, you say 75%. The best of the worst. Yeah, the best of the worst. You know, 75% involvement. Let's say nobody's home. Or yeah. We have reason to believe nobody's home. Um, depending on where it is in the house, uh, I would say more often than not, and that's the thing with fighting, you know, being a fireman is no situation it's never you know a uh, textbook you know yeah. there's always variables but uh i would say more often than not we might do what's called a transitional attack uh and that's where we will pull up on scene we're going to pull lines like we always would uh but well guys are getting their 
SCBAs on and uh, getting prepared. You know, if there's a guy that uh, is already squared away, like the guy on the back, a lot of times will already have his pack on and be ready to go on air uh, whenever you pull up on scene and he'll be getting those lines pulled. Uh, he can start spraying, uh, you know, spraying water and trying to extinguish uh, some of the fire before you even make entry into the house. And that's what they would call a transitional attack. And we do that whenever, like you said, there's like large percentage of involvement. But if, you know, we pull up and there's only fire showing out of one window or something like that, we're, we're going to make entry uh, immediately Absolutely. and uh, just try to get to the source of the fire, get it out. And then uh, hopefully we can get some ventilation started on there quickly so we can mini uh, minimize smoke damage. And, uh, and then also whenever you, uh, w whether you know if you have a victim or not, whenever you can get some ventilation in, uh, that drastically improves any victims in there that you may or may not know about. That improves their chances of survivability. And it also makes a safer working environment for our guys. Just, uh, you know, having the visibility to see what you're doing. Uh, and then also when you have that visibility, it makes it much easier to uh, identify and find victims and get yeah. them out of that toxic environment for sure so actually living and breathing being a firefighter do you ever watch these tv shows these uh what is it chicago fire backdraft with uh with one of the bald ones yeah so you know growing up my dad uh he's a Oh no! About twenty three, twenty four year veteran with the oh, Clare, with the yeah. Claremore Fire Department. So growing up, we never watched any of that. And uh, <laughs> if we did, it was just to listen to him make fun of it. Like, yeah. You know, picking out you know different things. Like uh, I remember, uh, it was actually uh, the original Spider Man. I remember when that came out, yeah. and uh, Spider Man goes into a burning building, and you can see all the flames, but you can see across this apartment. Yeah. And my dad was like, "It's not like that at all." And I was nope. kind of kind of curious so I'm like well what do you mean and he's like you can't see your hand in front of your face because uh, you know smoke is banked down to the floor and yeah. so uh, kind of put things in perspective like oh you're crawling around in there just you know listening for the crackling of the fire and trying to you know listen you know see if you can hear anybody shouting uh, but you're listening for that fire and feeling for heat and then uh, sometimes you don't know uh, where it is until you're right on top of it and they can finally see that orange glow and then uh, yeah. you know you're there so the hotter you get the closer you are so. <laughs> yeah yeah heat marks the spot yeah it is it's it's crazy thinking about that like as a as a job and going like you are actively putting yourself in these situations um, and it, I mean it's admirable for sure it's one of the most I think undervalued professions in America where you go you're like you said if there's high risk you're willing to risk a lot mm -hmm. and you go it, I don't think people grasp how hot fire can get oh yeah <laughs> and you're going like oh I'm, I mean it's funny I can't remember what movie it is uh, it's oh it's a it's a little kid Disney movie I can't remember what it's called but it's like this alien um and their race of people, they're just the ultimate timid creatures. And this, uh, oh, Rihanna played the gal, I can't think of her name in it. I'll think of it here in a second. But the guy's like, admiring the fact that he's like, oh, well you run towards the danger. And that's one of those deals where you go, this is a person who's willing to put themselves in danger to help others. 
Um, and I just, I think it's super admirable and I've got nothing but respect. I mean, there's a little kid, the fire truck came up with the school and I mean, it is, I think people see it as cool, but I think we undervalue it as a whole of going like, and I'm sure that there are people who, of course, like, uh, cause you guys some strife where they go, Hey, this, I need a fireman. I've got a headache or my cat's stuck in a tree. Um, but I, I do, I think that everybody, if you have the opportunity, I mean, like, I, I know you guys appreciate people bringing food. Um, like, if you have the means to do it, please do. I mean, it's just, I pray it never happens to any of our listeners, but if you need these guys, you want the best coming to get you. And uh, to save both your stuff and your person. So, big big old shout out to firefighters. Yeah. Uh, we're we're definitely grateful to have the chance to serve in the way that we do and uh you know it brings a lot of joy to us you know it is a hard job especially when uh you know you see some of the outcomes that aren't ideal but uh yeah it's definitely really rewarding whenever you know you can be there for somebody on their worst you know very likely or very potentially the worst day of their life yeah and uh, you've got a chance uh to be on that initial stage of recovery and that's something that Sarah and I have discussed about uh, how it's kind of unique that our our jobs are kind of connected uh, on complete opposite sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we make contact with the patient, whether that's, you know, somebody in a fire, somebody in a car wreck, or somebody that's uh, experienced a traumatic injury, uh, we're there a lot of times their first step into the recovery process. Absolutely. And we stabilize their initial injuries. And, uh, you know, the... Uh, unfortunately, you know, there's not a lot of times there's not a chance to establish much of a relationship outside of exchanging your names, kind of trying to let your patient know what's about to happen and uh, try to get them mentally and physically prepared for uh, transport. And uh, and then, you know, obviously they we hand them off to the ambulance and, uh, you know, a little bit more stabilization happens there and then they get transferred. Uh, transported to the hospital and uh, oh, you know that's where their recovery really starts to take some leaps and bounds and uh, and then sometimes uh, you know they, they get to have physical therapy while they're there at the hospital sometimes they go home and then they come back to the clinic yeah but uh, that's kind of their last last step into becoming uh, hopefully as good as they were before or better uh, or at least yeah. to having the best quality of life that they can uh, after sustaining whatever kind of injury that they have. But uh, it's uh, it's really kind of unique that uh, Sarah and I, our professions are on the on each end of that, yeah. you know. So kind of I get them as they're coming in, and she sends them off, you know. So we're the bookends. Yeah, we're that's the right. bookends. Yeah. yeah. No, that is that's awesome. Not to make this too downtrodden, but I mean, coming up now on almost 20 years since 9-11 mm-hmm. and that was one of those displays where you saw nationally people firefighters coming in from all across the nation and you go there's definitely something like astounding how selfless you guys are and I mean I've never ever had a bad experience personally with anybody who's a firefighter uh, just really just down-to-earth people. I mean, on that same trip y'all mentioned earlier, um, the bride's brother was a firefighter. 
I mean, and you guys hit it off perfectly. He's just <laughs> the nicest can be. And you see those situations and you go, when the call to action is needed, you guys are there. And I just, I can't say enough about it. It's just phenomenal. Moving on, I'll throw the mic back over to Josh. Um, he'll cover some more topics with you guys. I'm going to try and lasso Josie. <laughs> She's been in the mood the entire podcast. So I'll try and get the reins on her. So we're going to wrap it up here real quick with Soulful Sunday and... You know, what I would like to say is, you know, Austin had brought up about first responders and people that are willing to, you know, take time out of their lives and put themselves into, you know, potentially life-threatening situations for people that they barely know, if not at all, potentially during the worst circumstance or occasion in their entire lives. I want to say thank you because I mean when Trayer brought that up that really hit a, a, a tone with me and so you know if you see anyone that's in that particular profession just take time out of your day to say you know thank you for you know doing your part you never know what they're going through and you never know what anyone's going through so um that would be kind of my soulful Sunday edition there Renette's, is there anything that you guys are particularly thankful for that you'd like to hear on the podcast before we shut her down? Well, I've been particularly thankful for my um, support system, my parents and in-laws and husband for getting me through PT school and my classmates as well. Um, all my patients who are so encouraging. You know, it's, I didn't realize how long three years would be. Yeah. And I didn't realize how hard it would be, but... <laughs> Super appreciative for the encouragement, especially this last these last two weeks from um, taking my exam and not getting my results back. That was a... I think we were all nail biting for a <laughs> while there. I, I I was texting Trayer and I was like, anything, anything, anything. Mm -hmm. He's like, still waiting, still waiting, still waiting. So huge congratulations. Thank you. I mean, seven years coming <laughs> coming to a head like that. It's just it's absolutely incredible mm -hmm. and. Obviously, it's going to pay off wonder for, you know, you guys as a, a family of two. So, yeah. well, I think we'll keep it on that note. Trey, do you have anything you'd like to add there real quick, too? I don't know. I think she hit the nail on the head. Just can't be more grateful for uh, just really having solid family and friends such as uh, you guys, you know. And uh, I think everybody definitely had a hard year last year, and this year has had its ups and downs for sure and uh so you really kind of learn how important it really is to lean on uh, the people that you're closest with and uh, really have an opportunity to be there for um, the people in your life and uh, kind of like what i was saying earlier just be willing to go the extra mile uh, be willing to step up to the plate and even when it's not comfortable you know you never know what uh, like josh was saying you never know what people are going through and um, that effort on your part can really go a long way for some people. So be willing to do it. Well, amen. Well, and on that note, we're going to log off. And I say it always, stay safe, stay tuned. And I'm going to have Austin do the grand sign off. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Would Not Recommend. I love you, everybody. Have a great week. Bye.